A lightless mirror is a terrifying thing. There is no reflection, only black glass, like an abyss. It's endless and consuming. Hilary Monahan, Mary the Summoning. Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and joining me today is Spencer. You may know him on Instagram as Baker Street Shelves. So today we're talking about urban legend horror, and aren't you glad you didn't turn on the lights? Macmillan Audio presents His and Hers, the spine-chilling new audiobook from Alice Feeney, the best-selling author of Sometimes I Lie. There are two sides to every story, which means someone is always lying. His and Hers is a twisty, smart, and gripping tale of suspense told by expert narrators Richard Armitage and Stephanie Racine that will keep listeners guessing until the very end. Someone isn't telling the truth, and some secrets are worth killing to keep. Download His and Hers by Alice Feeney wherever audiobooks are sold. Welcome to the show, Spencer. Hey, thanks for having me here. I've been a fan for a, for a good long while now and uh, happy to be on here and also happy to be that this is my very first podcast ever, too. It's exciting. Yeah, you're an OG fan. Yeah, I'm like, maybe not for the first season, but certainly from the second season forward. Like, you, you and Rachel were still both uh, regular co-hosts at the time. Yeah, it's been a ride. It's been a ride, <laughs> but a fun one. <laughs> All right, so we are talking about urban legend horrors. So these are like books that deal with urban legends, not necessarily urban legends themselves. So I asked on Patreon what people's favorite urban legend was, and I got some really good ones. Yeah, Mia says, Growing up, my favorite urban legend was the Humans Can Lick Too one, where the girl is home alone and thinks it's her dog licking her hand. Spoiler, it's not. I don't know why this freaked me out so much. We didn't even have a dog. Yeah, that's a creepy one. <laughs> it, 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 what I like about that one is it, it, it's not obviously um, scary. It's just one of those things like, because no one died in this story or anything. It's not it, gruesome at all, but it's just someone licking your hand you think it's your dog but it's just some guy probably it's just such a violation (laughs) it really is yeah like it is and especially like what what that you're that no did you say that she was asleep yeah but she's like laying down and has like and i remember the story being told is like she's asleep and she has her like kind of arm hanging over the bed right and like her dog would come and lick her hand and let her know that everything was fine that's just creepy man (laughs) (laughs) So she continues that by saying, I think the Green Man is probably the most famous urban legend in Pittsburgh, based on an actual man who was injured in a trolley accident. So, of course, I had to look this up Uh, because I live in Pittsburgh. I'm not from here, though, so I don't know that I'm super familiar with the lore (laughs) 
around here. Uh, so yeah, on Wikipedia, it says Green Man was a man named Raymond Robinson, who was a severely disfigured man whose years of nighttime walks made him into a figure of urban legends in western Pennsylvania. He was so badly injured in a childhood electrical accident that he could not go out in public without fear of creating a panic. So he went out for long walks at night. Local tourists would drive along the road in hopes of meeting the green man or Charlie No-Face. Okay, that's rude. <laughs> this poor guy just wanted to go for a walk. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, like, let him live his life, man. They passed on tales about him to their children and grandchildren, and people raised on these tales are sometimes surprised to discover he was a real person who was liked by his family and neighbors. Yeah. This was just a guy who was minding his own business. <laughs> I, I think this is one of those urban legends that that sort of did have a, a good ending to it. That's true. That's rare. That's rare in urban legends. <laughs> it, it, it's very rare. Now, me personally, I never heard about this one before. So this was... Quite the surprise to take a turn in a very different direction. She continues this with another Western Pennsylvania urban legend. She said, but I personally enjoy the Benz urban legend. So the story goes, the Coulter Cemetery in McKeesport has only one road in or out. If you count the Benz in the road going in, there are 12. But if you count them coming out, there are 13. It's a little, it's a little spooky. It's a little unnerving. Yeah, like, I can see the kind of person that I am being spooked by this. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> I, I would get that too. So Patrick says, I remember two Mexican urban legends that my aunt and grandma told as a kid. One of them was called El Carro de las Brujas, or the Car of the Witches. In Mexico, three witches would drive around in Mexico disguised as very beautiful women and then try to get men inside their car and the next day, someone would find their body all cut up and dead. So where do we rate this one? <laughs> uh, if, we, if we're going to use you guys' system, I would definitely put this in the freezer category. Yeah, that's... It's very simple, but yet very effective. Like, you could definitely see, like, this is, like, a good evolution from, like, the siren mythology. or And this is, in many ways, an extreme form of catfishing, what you would call it these days. <laughs> Yeah, also one of those, like, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Like, if three beautiful women are beckoning you to their car, don't do it. Right. No, no, this is absolutely something that any <laughs> any that any man should do, and women too. This, yeah. is, this is something I would like to see as, like, a movie or a short film. Yeah, I could see that. Has has that potential. Mm -hmm. So he continues that with saying, the other was El Chupacabra, or the goat sucker which many people in my town believed to have seen once, since we have a lot of ranchers finding their goats killed. Yeah, this is probably the most famous one on this list that you mentioned. Yeah. I mean, I think, wasn't it an X-Files episode? <laughs> it, it wouldn't surprise me. Like, I'm not the biggest okay. X-Files fan, but it wouldn't surprise me if this was in season one or season two by the latest. Yeah. I definitely feel like it was. Yeah, this, I would say this and the Llorona are like the two top like Mexican urban legends that people recognize. Absolutely. My my roommate, he's really into cryptozoology like this and other forms of conspiracy. So we regularly have discussions like this often. <laughs> <laughs> so has the Chupacabra come up? Oh, a few, uh, a few times here and there, yeah. Uh, we're on the, if, if, for people who are wondering, we're on the side that believes it to an extent because there's so many animal species out there that haven't been discovered or classified yet that it's plausible maybe the stories have been exaggerated here and there but it 
like flesh eating animals are not new. They're pretty common. So having one that's targeting goats and sucking the blood out of goats isn't too far fetched. And then last one, Kim said, the bell witch of Tennessee scared me and my friends where we were growing up. She was very creepy. Are you familiar with the bell witch? No, I'm not. I read a book about it. I know it's like a big thing in Tennessee and it was like a poltergeist case. I want to say it was Andrew Jackson like stayed at that house and also recorded like poltergeist activity. That's kind of where the legitimacy of it comes from. So yeah, like that's the one people are like. And there's a book about it called like The Bell Witch and American Haunting. And I was actually thinking about using that as one of my picks, but I decided not to last minute. So if you are interested in learning more about the Bell Witch, that's a good one to read. So do you have a favorite urban legend? Uh, there's quite a few to choose from. And what I think is good for me, personally, the good bridge is here. Because I not only am I a horror fan, but I'm also a big Disney fan. And if you go on YouTube or just any Google search, sooner or later you will find the urban legends in Disneyland specifically. And even a few in Disney World too, and especially with that particular park opening up, reopening up re- just recently, it it could really add to, to a couple of things. Like there was in Florida, there was a water park that they were planning to do at some point, around I'd say around maybe the late 70s or early 80s, and for whatever reason, they just didn't go through with it, and it's just been sitting there that whole time, like no renovations, no, as far as I can tell, no future plans or anything. And like all the, and it looks all really swampy, and everything looks terrible. Like the few things they did do look all rusted and degraded. And like some people, and you can find it on YouTube, some people have actually snuck over there and tried to, and and did film some things over there, and it looks really creepy. And people say that they could hear voices here and there, like maybe the like the sounds of children or other things and this one i don't i don't really believe but some people have went as far as to say that you know that the characters were just randomly wandering around the park so it's to an extreme way but it is really creepy and it's like you know when you think of anything disney it's always like the family friendly house of ideas and having it go this far off the deep end is quite horrific yeah what are some creepy disneyland ones uh, let's see. There's a couple ones. Um, it's like this one called the Hidden Passenger. That's for Space Mountain, where if they go on the ride, and even there's someone that's always like apparently a ghost that likes to sit in one of the seats next to you in an empty seat, and then every time when you go through and you know, at the end of the ride, they always have those pictures where they have like all the the height of the scary parts of the ride, and you get your picture, and like apparently some type of weird distorted image shows up on the side. That's a, I think that's one of the mild tamer ones but it, it, it's, a, it's a little unnerving some of the more obvious ones like the haunted mansion people think that that there are real ghosts in there that one has been debunked many many times but a lot of people still believe that and so much so that in the past not so much now but in the past people have actually put their dead family members ashes in there thinking that somehow the the ride will absorb their soul into part of the 999 ghosts there but sadly it doesn't do anything they just clean it like they always do so (laughs) if you or someone you know has done that sad to say but your relative has been vacuumed out (laughs) it's a harsh truth but it's a reality yeah so there's a few uh there's another one saying there's a couple ones about walt disney himself there's a famous one is saying that oh his frozen head is somewhere in the basements of disneyland another one and this is halfway true 
in Main Street, above the fire station, there is a place that when Walt was alive, he would he would sometimes go there. That was supposed to be like his apartment, his home away from home. And he and every time the people knew that Walt was there is because the light was on. Now, of course, Walt's been dead for decades, but even to this day, if you still go there, the light is still turned on. So do they do that as like a tribute? Or? They do it as a tribute, but, you know, of course, people like to go into a more creepier direction with it. Of course. And I've been there a handful of times that just to look out for it. And it it's true. It's there. What about you, Stephanie? Yeah. My mom's, I think, favorite disciplinary tactic was the urban legend to scare her children into behavior. So as I've mentioned before, she did love to use La Llorona and say that you know she really loved coming and kidnapping bad children and then she had one about ouija boards because that for some reason was something that we were worried about at the time but she told me a story she's like stephanie when i was in mexico i knew a girl who played with ouija boards and she started seeing these dogs everywhere and no one could see these dogs that she was talking about but this girl was convinced that she was being chased by these three dogs and she just was panicked she couldn't sleep and they found what remained of her body by railroad tracks and like they found a dog bite and i'm like why is this so specific <laughs> what the heck mom <laughs> that is uh that's that's just plain <laughs> terrifying and, and and over and over and over the top too it's like for me ouija boards are something like yeah i just i don't want to play with because like just just no <laughs> yeah my mom uh used the bluth family method of like <laughs> scaring your children and and that's why you always leave a note i think the i think you know like when you become a parent and i guess on the mom specifically in this way you always have to think oh remember so and so who knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody they 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 did this thing that you were doing and they and they died and they died horribly it's like you don't want to end up like them <laughs> I think all of us have had a story kind of like that at one point or another in our lives. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I think that's what is so effective about urban legends because so much of the time I feel like, you know, it's my cousin telling me a story about someone that he knew that knew someone else. And so they're always like a little bit anecdotal, but they feel real because you kind of know someone who kind of knows someone that totally experienced this. So it's more creepy. Right. And, you know. Uh, we talked about parents, but, you know, we can sometimes hear this from our best friends or s older siblings or, or just like word of mouth throughout the throughout the neighborhood. So you were looking into today, definitely a bunch of stories online that could circulate so easily. Yeah, I mean, like a creepypasta kind of falls into that category, I think, a little bit. They're kind of like this generation's urban legend in a way. Oh, absolutely. There's. There's a lot of good ones and there's a lot of terrible ones, but they do have a very similar theme with each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember I was like, my mom would tell me these stories and I would be like so freaked out. And then the dog one, I remember I read a story similar to that. I'm like, that's strange that my mom's story of her friend has all the same details as this story that I am reading right now. Yeah, it's a it's a funny <laughs> thing about memory, isn't it? <laughs> Oh man, so do you have any favorite urban legend style movies? Oh, let's see here. Hmm, urban legend style movies like honestly most really most horror movies if you think about it can 
kind of fall into this category. Just see, off the top of my head, you know, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street kind of fits that, at least the original one, because everyone has. Oh the original... yeah, that's everyone... true. Yeah, everyone knows that. Oh, the creepy child killer, Fred Krueger, was like alive, and then he came, and then he came back, and it haunts you in your dreams and everything. So, mm. I think that's pretty high up there. If that was a movie, that feels like something that could have been told in your in your hometown somewhere. Yeah, that's true. And then. I don't remember. Is it in Freddy versus Jason where it's like the belief in him is what makes him strong? So when people start forgetting him is when he starts getting weak. So I actually am a fan of the 90s teen slasher urban legend, which I am disheartened uh, to look up on Rotten Tomatoes and see that it has a 20%. So not a lot of people have the same nostalgia. <laughs> that i do i haven't seen this one myself but i have heard positive things about it i love it mostly because i owned it on vhs so it's one that i watched a few times and i thought it had you know some effective scenes it has a really creepy opening scene and then some good kills like i if i think if i revisited it today it probably would be a little cheesy but i just i have a soft spot for it I didn't love the sequel as much, Urban Legend Final Cut, but they finally included one of the more famous ones that they left out of the first one. Like, it opens up with the waking up in a bathtub of ice and you're missing a kidney, Urban Legend. Oh, well, that, that could happen. Out of the ones on this list, I think this one could really happen. It's not the first time I've heard of this, of course, but it's like that just gives me shivers each time I hear it. <laughs> I was out with, like, my brother-in-law and he was joking about like going home with someone and i'm like aren't you scared of like waking up in a bathtub full of ice missing a kidney and i made this joke very much forgetting that he only has one kidney (laughs) he's like well stephanie in that situation i would not be waking up (laughs) i'm not gonna lie that that's this is a good example of something that's both in poor taste and funny at the same time (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, we got to talk about Candyman. Yeah, that's a good one. I remember this was a movie that, like, people talked about on the playground. And just, like, the idea of it scared, you know, elementary-aged me. (laughs) So I watched it very recently. And I I loved it. Like, I very much enjoyed it. It, You know, this one, this isn't really, like, your conventional uh, slasher Mm -hmm. or horror film at all. Like, it kind of takes a lot of the tropes that are very famous with this and just kind of chucks them out the window. <laughs> but but I think that works in the movie's favor. Because if you think at that point, there was like so many sequels of a lot of the big ones. So it's like having something that is similar, but clearly very, very different, really was uh, something that I think this movie needed. Yeah, I'm excited to see the new one. Well, who knows if and when that'll looks happen. Like, I know, all these announcements of things being delayed till like next year slash indefinitely because who knows <laughs> did you see the uh because jordan peele did something on his in- a short video on his instagram a couple month a month or so ago oh you know what i bookmarked that and then i never got around to watching it <laughs> it's very good it is it is it is directly about Candyman. it's done in a weird animation style that is sort of like stop motion but it's kind of like a paper doll type of animation that i really like it does of course an abridged version of it but truthfully if that's the whole movie 
or if that's like what direction they're gonna go with this remake movie, I think good enough for me. Because it really like there's no dialogue or anything, but it does the way that it's done and the way that the music shows like it really does feel up those emotions in you not mm. not so much scary emotions but definitely more sympathetic i guess is the best way i could describe it for lack of a better word though so it's good if you ever get the chance to watch it it's it's, it's short it's about two minutes i think it was good oh and then we have i know what you did last summer <laughs> Sorry, just reminds me of the memes I've been seeing with some of that. Uh, talking about 2021. <laughs> I did absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> oh, that's good. But no, yeah, that definitely should be on the list too. We got the, the fisherman with the hook. And I was listening to a podcast that was doing like a live commentary while watching it. And I forgot that they do talk about urban legends in the beginning like when they're all hanging out before they get in the car and get into the accident that kickstarts the events of the movie they're all hanging out and talking about urban legends on the beach right you know the 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 whole legend of like oh the this this crazy crazy person with a hook hand stalking people like that is to an extent based on an urban legend that was pretty common around the 50s i want to say i heard the one about like the couple in the woods and they hear the thing on the radio and then there's like the hook on the side of the car when they get home or something or like a hook mark right yeah that's exactly what i was talking about like i'm not sure if that was 100 percent the movie's idea but it that is sort of in its way a reference to that yeah i know it was based on the lois duncan novel i can't really remember the lois duncan novel i don't think the antagonist in it was like a fisherman <laughs> it's like a hook hand i don't i don't think that's like the lois duncan way no i i did read that not a while like oh geez maybe a decade or so ago yeah and the version i read i got from the library it had the introduction in the front uh, she did talk a little bit about the movie and yeah she wasn't a fan of it <laughs> she wasn't really that into it because it was, it's one of those adaptations that's really in name only. All right, we ready to talk about some books? Yeah, let's get into it. Well, the first book I am going to talk about is Mary, the Summoning by Hilary Monahan. This is a young adult novel, and this is about a group of friends that get together and summon Bloody Mary by holding hands and saying her name three times in their friend's bathroom. So in the book... Jess has recently become obsessed with researching the legend of Bloody Mary and is convinced that the Mary of Bloody Mary was from their Massachusetts town. And she has all these things written out like this is the way to do it. Be sure to cover any reflective surfaces, nothing silver around. We have all this salt we're putting everywhere. And despite all of these things, the ghost finds a way to latch onto Shauna. The protagonist of this story so now she's been marked and she sees mary in every reflective surface and she has to find a way to rid herself of the curse if she is going to save her friends because mary is set on making shauna suffer uh so this was written in a way that was so cinematic and i just i had to know what was going to happen next and it had just creepy scenes and it's a duology i got like um a bind up that was both of them the first one is mary the summoning and the second one is mary unleashed 
And so when you're reading it, you read like a letter from the Mary and there's kind of a mystery and that they're trying to solve. And so you kind of get a kind of past and present dichotomy there. And I don't know, I just really liked it. If you want something that is spooky, has urban legends, and is a fast and engrossing read, I would definitely recommend these. I liked these. I would put this in the fridge because yeah, it did have like a lot of creepy moments. And I actually want to see this adapted. I don't know if that'll happen in like a Candyman world because it's kind of like in that saying name in the mirror territory. But yeah, creepy. So that was Mary the Summoning by Hilary Monahan. That, that, that does sound really good. And, and, and funny enough too, uh, I was thinking about doing a different Bloody Mary book. It's called Say Her Name by Juno Dawson. Then I saw that you were doing one like, I don't want to get too redundant here. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to mix it up a bit. My first pick is going to be Slender Man by Anonymous. And and as we we all know, Slender Man is probably the most famous creepypasta out there. It has spawned so many uh, online stories, so many video games, and etc. But this is the first time that actually had an official novel to it. This story follows a teenage boy named Matt as one of his classmates, Lauren, has gone missing. Meanwhile, Matt's getting strange nightmares about being chased by a tall, thin man without a face as he's trying to piece together the mystery. This book is a mass media book, and the whole story is told through texts, emails, articles, and police interviews. And here and there, it also has a great use of meta-horror because the more that Matt is researching about the Slender Man, the more he stumbles into the creepypastas and the horror community that pokes fun at the genre. You guys had talked about this on your on your show about two years ago, two or three years ago, as one of your must-do lists. And when I listened to that, I had to put that on my TBR, put that call as soon as available, go out and buy it. And I, and I did. And I'm happy to say that this, this is also a YA book too, but this was exceptionally good. And maybe the book came just a little bit too late because Slenderman's not really so much in the public consciousness as he was a couple of years ago and but no this was very good if you were a fan of the original stories or if you want to get starting back into this this is this i love the pacing with this i love how because of the way it's written it has a very good unreliable narration to it and you could really sense hints that see the desperation in this kid's voice that he might be going crazier and crazier and how he's trying to find how his classmate and no this is exceptionally good and yeah, especially if you want to get the bad taste of the movie that came out that same year out of your mouth this is something to definitely fill that void <laughs> but so as for rating i will give this a, a fridge it's very creepy uh, but it, it's not as scary as it should be if someone was just dipping their toe into horror this would freak them out. But for seasoned horror, horror of it, that's like you and I. You get, you'd enjoy it. you definitely find it entertaining. But you're not going to be up all night like you would for someone that's not that experienced. So again, that was Slender Man by Anonymous. Yeah, I remember Rachel talking about this. And then I really didn't hear about it again. I really like the cover art, though. So good. Yeah, the cover art is really creepy. So my next book is a collection of short stories. It is Corpse Cold, North American Folklore. 
by John Burrell and Joseph Sullivan. Um, you might remember them from our small press episode of the Cemetery Gates people. So this is essentially the scary stories to tell in the dark, but for adults. They even have an illustrator that has a very similar style and is illustrating very much purposely in that style. And so these are kind of short, bite-sized little urban legends, much like how Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark was. And they have a very similar structure, but this is meant for an adult audience. You'll see that in like the character ages and the language. So like there's a story about like a college prank gone wrong. Interesting. I just got all nostalgic reading it and I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot like this is what it was like to read like the Scary Stories books that I am on record of being a huge fan of. I think like they were part of everyone's childhood basically. Right. <laughs> My favorite part of it definitely were the illustrations. I just think it really completely nailed that style. And if anyone is interested in reading it, it is on Kindle Unlimited. So I'm putting it in the fridge i would say it was mostly room temperature i would say like as was scary stories to tell in the dark but it had like a few fridge stories in there that did creep me out when i was reading them in the middle of the night so that is corpse cold north american folklore by john burrell and joseph sullivan that one sounds really good and you know, it's like i think i would really like this one because yeah, see, I, I'm the weird one here. I didn't really go grow up at all with scary stories to tell in the dark, <laughs> but I did read it last year when the when the movie was coming out. Like I thought it was just okay, like just okay. But now that this one's coming up here and it's geared towards adults, I think I might enjoy this one a lot more. Especially, I want to check out the illustrations too. My next book is The Remaking by Clay McLeod Chapman, and it is about Bella Louise and her daughter Jessica as they're publicly shunned by the local town in Virginia, but the townspeople always come to her privately whenever they have a problem, and she cures them of their troubles. Ella is blamed for the death of one of her customers, and both Ella and Jessica are accused of witchcraft, as they're both burned at the stake. Over the years, the story is told countless times and becomes an urban legend so popular that it becomes a movie in the 70s, with then-child actor Amber Pendleton to play the part. Horrifying experiences are happen on the set, that scarred her so much in her life that that in the movie was made years later in the 90s and finally she becomes the subject of a true crime podcast in the 2010s this book really is doesn't get as much attention as it deserves and when i first started this i really didn't think much much of it going in but i just kept getting sucked into the story more and more not only did i love the fact that it kept progressing forwards in time every every so often that you really got to see the trauma and effects that just this one story can have lasting effects through de- through decades and decades. And uh, it's mostly following Amber, Pen- Amber Pendleton. And you really got to see like her uh, having this horrible experience as a child really affected her adult life and personal acting career because she really just couldn't escape it no matter how hard she tried. And there was an interesting commentary on the, dark side of fandom and convention culture really and just showing what what it's like on the other side for child stars that are trying to move on with their lives and yeah there's plenty of scary moments that do happen overall but as for rating i would give this a fridge 
The scares don't happen often, but when they hit, they do hit hard. And it also forces the reader to figure out what's real and what's imaginary from each character's standpoint. So, again, that is The Remaking by Clay McLeod Chapman. Yeah, that one had been on my TBR for a while, and I really need to read it. I, I very much enjoyed it, and the, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to Chapman's next book whenever, whenever it's released. So, my last book is Rules for Vanishing by Katie Alice Marshall. This is another YA novel. There was actually a lot of YA novels in the like urban legend horror category. I really think that mean, that really so, says something because you know a lot of these stories are either passed around during our childhood or teenagehood and or at least told to us in this way. So I, I think that really is the prime target audience for this type of horror. I think so. Like another one I was thinking about reading was uh, The Light is a Feather. That's like the one that the Hulu show was based on. Like also a YA horror novel. Uh, But this is Rules for Vanishing. Uh, This is about Sarah. Her sister Becca disappeared one year ago. Everyone seems to think that she's run away with a boy. But Sarah's convinced that her disappearance is linked to the local urban legend of Lucy Gallows. And she thinks this because she found her sister's notebook that's full of research about Lucy Gallows and the road. So the legend says that once a year, a road appears in the forest and the people who follow it rarely make it out. So in like teen movie fashion, a text gets sent to the whole school (laughs) Um telling people that you know tonight is the night that the road appears and that they need to bring a partner and a key sarah's group of friends comes to the spot with their cameras to be supportive because they think she's the one that sent it because she's obsessed with (laughs) this whole legend yeah so the story is written in kind of this faux documentary style there was a lot of like blair witch comparisons and it kind of reads like a literary found footage style and that's kind of interstitched with interviews about what happened that night and then what can be seen through the cameras. I will say if I was a character in this story, I would be really anxious because this legend has a lot of like rules (laughs) and I would feel like it is. It's like you have to be here. You have to be with someone. And if you like don't do this and like don't do that. And I think I would be so anxious about keeping everything straight (laughs) And remembering all the rules that you're supposed to follow on top of everything. But yeah, it was interesting. And I I liked the way it was written in the book equivalent of like a found footage horror. So with this, I would say, again, mostly room temperature. Uh, There was some fridge scenes in there, though. So that was Rules for Vanishing by Katie Alice Marshall. I really think that books should try to take advantage of doing this found footage style of writing. I think that really does a great job of immersing the reader fully into your story. I don't know, to me it just gives like a a nice edge for books to be above the competition of the other types of entertainment out there. I agree. I kind of like that, yeah, the the writing is limited to what we can see through the camera. Obviously, with the the footage that is found, the found footage. (laughs) But I agree. I enjoy it as a writing style. 
I'm a huge fan of found footage too, so th- this sounds really good. Now for my last pick, I have House of Leaves by Mark Z. Danielewski. It is about a young adult guy named Johnny Truant. He finds his neighbor, an elderly blind man named Zampano, dead in his apartment. Zampano was writing a manuscript for a home movie called The Nabitson Record, which is about a family moving into a seemingly normal home. Slowly upon realization, the family discovers that the house is larger on the inside. Johnny and Zampano both take notes on the film, and it's left up to the, to the reader to decide what happened and who's telling the truth. And this was very much... Uh, like w- what you said with the rules of vanishing, this is another mass media book with three different narrators, manuscripts, pictures, footnotes, and transcripts, making it another effective found footage horror story where each character's sanity is just questionable at best. <laughs> uh, but as far as the as far as rating, I put this my I put this in the freezer. When I read this, this was the scariest book I ever I ever read <laughs> at that point. Uh, the size and the amount of work needed to get through this thing is very intimidating for even the most seasoned readers out there. And I think it's a good I think it's a good book to read if you're just home alone and you get the full eerie effect as you start to wonder like how much you actually know about your own house. So again, that's House of Leaves by Mark Z. Danielewski. Yeah, one of my favorites. <laughs> I read this one based on yours and a couple of other people's recommendations like yeah, this is this is quite up there, but I, I do make a, a footnote with this saying this is not a book for everyone. Uh, make a footnote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke because there's a million footnotes. Like, there's a whole narrative in the footnotes. Yep. Yes, there is. And if, if you're... If you like some... If you're like a research or a very studious person, this is the novel for you. If you're... Someone that likes just a more casual storyline that's very uh, streamlined in its timeline, you, you just 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 walk away. Like the opening words say, "This is not for you." <laughs> <laughs> but no, I really I really love this book, and I do recommend it. When someone asks me what's the scariest book I ever, I've ever read, this is the one. And but I tell people it is something that does require a heavy heavy amount of patience going into. Yeah, it definitely does. Like it's a it's a book that takes a lot of work. And if you're someone that is like turned off by that or turned off by like having to put the page in the mirror to read the backwards font, you're going to hate this. I'm just like you know like <laughs> or flipping it upside down or or trying to think, "Oh, will all the answer will all the questions be answered by the time I get to the end?" Spoiler. No. <laughs> It's funny. I joined. I don't even know how I found this, but I. It's like a House of Leaves like club or like group on Facebook, and they are like constantly sharing like things they found and conspiracies. And I'm like, I have not read this book in so long. I don't even like understand these conspiracies. <laughs> but it is a book that you could literally do this with. Right. In in a lot of ways, this book has really become an urban legend of its own, just outside. Yeah in real life out way outside the narrative like uh, there's not that many books that could really fully do that so i i I like that a lot and you know and it's it has enough margins in the pages for you to write down the notes yourself so like in a way you are kind of being part of the story too also the as far as i know the only book out there that has no ebook or or audiobook you are forced to 
only get the print version, period. Yeah, it's very, it would just be too, well, I mean, I think I can see even an ebook. I think audiobook would just be too, too hard to translate. It would be very difficult to translate, and I don't think it's impossible to translate it to a PDF or to an e-file, but, but I really don't think people would like to tap, go back and forth in their screens and refreshing that much either. Again, I need to reread this someday when I have <laughs> ample amounts of time to dedicate to this. Yeah, this isn't like a casual beach read. <laughs> All right. Well, are we ready for some chilling obsessions? Oh, yes, we are. So what have you been enjoying? Well, uh, because I've been, like with a lot of people in the world, I've been unemployed and stuck in my house with my roommate for the past three and a half months at this point in time. Uh, we had a lot of chance to catch up on a lots and lots of television. <laughs> so uh, th during this time, uh, I decided to get myself a Shutter account for to try it out for about a month. And I found a lot of interesting things on there. First off, I found uh, Eli's, Eli Roth's History of Horror. And I've known about that for a while, but I never had AMC, so it's nice that Shutter had it. So I binged all of that, and I was really fascinated to see like how many people that were so involved in the horror genre, whether they're writers, directors, actors, and so on, and just explain how different subgenres and different tropes, how they started, what was their beginnings, their evolution throughout the decades, and in some cases, centuries. I just thought that was just very fascinating. And along that same level, there was another one called Why Horror? It's saying, like, why do average people find find so much joy and delight in stories that have very horrible things happen to, <laughs> happen <laughs> and you know they 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 they're average ordinary people so it's like well, what's the what's the appeal so it was just a pretty good psychological take on the average horror fan and is how how even though true these horrible things do happen but they do have a very nice balanced way of showing that just because you have an interest or really are passionate about these things does not make you yourself a violent person or an evil person. So I thought that's something very good. And I think anybody that uh, is questioning the horror genre should take a, the time to watch it. Let's see. Uh, I've also been watching on HBO I'll Be Gone in the Dark, the true crime, the true crime do uh, mini documentary. I haven't started that yet. I read the book. I, I read the book too, and so far it's a really good direct one-for-one -one way of how the book presented itself. And for me, this adds extra level of creepiness because I have lived and been and visited pretty much all the places that uh, for the where the where the EAR killer had was was being active. Mm -hmm. So it's like when I watch the show, when I'm reading the book, like, oh yeah, I've been to that place, I've been to that place, so. It, it just hit a, a lot home to me. <laughs> as far as like, just standard television, Netflix has the entire series of Hannibal on there, and we've been enjoying that too. That, I think, it's just adds a different type of horror that is more on the artistic side and definitely more on the heavy psychological side too. Which is funny, because that's one show that my husband watched and loved and I never watched. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> He's gone on record saying that like the only ho the only horror movie he's liked is Silence of the Lambs. Like he likes, I think psychological and if there's like a procedural element and 
and kind of the whole like Hannibal Lecter character that's like smarter than everyone else. Like I think he always enjoys that. I mean, I I can see why people would call it more procedural or a, a detective mystery story, but I, 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 but I think when this one focuses more on the the crime itself than the actual finding clues to lead to the killer. I kind of think it leans more towards the horror side. But if someone says, oh, it's a mystery or it's a procedural, I'm not going to get upset about that because they are still kind of right. And lastly, I've got myself a new laptop, which is how I'm able to be on this podcast in the first place. But we've been playing some games too. And one of the games that I've been enjoying was Doki Doki Literature Club. And for people who don't know, it is a it is another psychological horror game, but it does not look like one when you first play it. <laughs> it looks like uh it looks like your uh, YA uh, rom com teen date teen dating type of game where you know you you play you make your character and you know you go on a series of dates with the girls of girls and you by the end of the game you're trying to say oh which one are you the most compatible with, but uh, just for the sake of spoilers, spoiler, spoilers, the game is self-aware. It does play with your with your with metafiction. It knows it's a game, and it knows that uh, you're playing all you're doing these things, and it t- puts a lot of thing. It throws a lot of things into your game save files. It likes to send you weird, creepy messages all the time too, and yeah, it just. It just really does play, instead of jump scares, it really does make you gradually uneasy throughout the entire time. And that's what I love about it. But it takes a while to get there. It takes maybe about roughly two hours to get to that point. But it's well worth the experience. I would like to say more, but honestly, this game is best played going in as blind as possible. You can find it on Steam completely free. There's zero money involved. like it's not a scam or anything you get the whole game and yeah it's well worth it my chilling obsession is the 2002 movie may which had been on my watch list since i watched that um special on like i think it was like 50 greatest horror movies you've never seen and so this kind of has a reputation as like a underrated horror movie I ended up really enjoying it, even going into it with kind of those high expectations. So this is a psychological horror movie, and it's about a young woman in Los Angeles. She's very lonely. She had a traumatic childhood, and she has a hard time connecting to people. And basically her only friend-ish, like up until that point, was a doll that her mother gave to her. And so... Throughout the movie, you just see she she works with a she works at a vet's office as like a veterinary assistant, and she's just really naive and sheltered and doesn't know how to interact with people. Like she starts dating a guy, and it's just like so awkward, but not like I would say like in the way like we all joke about being like awkward people. Like she is like does not know how to person <laughs> it. So it's like that, and you kind of like care about her but then the this movie gets like very dark <laughs> and there is some body horror involved uh, so this stars angela bettis and six feet under's jeremy sisto and 
house bunnies on a ferris (laughs) oh yes can't forget the amazing movie that was house bunny (laughs) yeah so this was a like i said a good movie but it did have like good horror scenes and it's definitely like a psychological horror movie and this was on tubi which i just discovered just like a a service you can download the app and it's free and so the movies on there are free but they have like commercial breaks so that's kind of like the prices you get like ads in your movies but it has a pretty good horror selection that's that's pretty that's pretty cool like personally i never really cared that much about commercials and streaming services i thought oh this is a good time to get a snack or something <laughs> yeah. yeah but i can definitely understand you know why people would be upset with that I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a free streaming service, so I'd say it's worth it. Exactly. All right. And as is new books in the freezer tradition, Spencer, what is your final girl song or final guy song? I'm fine either way <laughs> with the <laughs> titles. Yeah. Uh, for my final girl song, I will pick No One Lives Forever by Oingo Boingo. Have you heard that song before? Yes. So what is the, set the scene for us, if you will. Okay, so let's just say, so let's say that, you know, a riot, a riot broke out and the, 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 cra- the crazed, there's several crazed killers on the loose. Most of my, most of my friends are gone at this point. And, you know, I, I spent, I finished, I managed to live this long through the night. I'm upset. I'm frustrated. I'm tired. I just want to go home and get some sleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I want to do. And and there's the, there's this maniac just standing in the way. Not anymore. And that's when the song kicks in over the air and I just go to town. Because <laughs> <laughs> nothing else matters anymore. <laughs> so would you be dancing along to it? Because it's a very dancey song. Are you like... Maybe not dance to it, but I think my attacks and kills would be in beat to the song. <laughs> if cool. that was somehow possible. <laughs> All right, that is going to get added to the Spotify playlist. So it's not as famous as a song it sh- as it should be because it's it's very good. That's a good one. That's a fun one. I like fun final girl songs. I mean, I like the whole the whole spectrum, like the moody slow ones, the angry ones, and this is a this is a fun one. Yeah, uh, I'm like that too. If you honestly, if you look at my YouTube playlist. There is no theme at all. It's all over the place. <laughs> but but I like that. Like I don't really consider myself a music person. Just I just like the songs that sound good to me. That's all. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about Urban Legends. My pleasure. This was a lot of fun. I uh, ho- hope to do it again one day. Yeah. Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod, on Instagram at Books in the Freezer, on Facebook at facebook.com slash books in the freezer. There's also a Facebook group if you would like to join that. You can send us an email at booksinthefreezer at gmail.com. Show notes for this episode and all previous episodes are at booksinthefreezer.com. You can find Spencer on Instagram at Baker Street Shelves. So that's Baker ST Shelves. So you can find him on there. He reads a lot of horror and he does book reviews there. You know, it's a bookstagram account. We are on 
Patreon at patreon.com slash books in the freezer. We have three tiers. So like a $1 or a final girl tier, which gets you early episodes. So an episode on Sunday instead of Tuesday when it would normally drop. And you also get to know the upcoming topic one week in advance. At the $3 or axe-wielding maniac level, you can join the Voxer group chat um, and join us for Patreon movie nights. So for the Patreon movie nights, we use like, I think it's called Netflix Watch Party or Netflix Party. I feel like I always get it wrong. Anyway, but it's an extension on Google Chrome. And so like whoever decides to join in that night, it'll have like the screen on one side and then like a little side chat so you can type in and chat along while we're watching the movie. Um, I do a poll on the weeks that we decide to do that. And if you're part of the Voxer group chat, we usually kind of bounce around ideas for what we should watch. And we usually try to find something that's both on Canadian and American Netflix. So that's a lot of fun. We've watched uh, recently Would You Rather, 47 Meters Down, The Perfection. (laughs) Recording with the baby here. She's got a lot of thoughts on that. And at the $5 or the malevolent spirit level, you get all that. So you get the chat, the Patreon watch parties, the early episodes. Um, And you also get to chime in on upcoming episodes. So like in this episode, you know, we got to hear some like really cool urban legends. Um, And my husband and I are starting a Patreon series. We are currently reading Stephen King's The Stand and recording episodes for every couple chapters. And making our way through that. So that is available at the $5 or malevolent spirit level. You can also support the show by using our Amazon link. So with that, you just click the link and you would just do your normal Amazon shopping that you would normally do. Coolest thing recently bought using the affiliate link is, it's called a little feminist board book set. And it's really cute. It's like this little box and there's little board books in there. So like one book is artists and then leaders, activists, and pioneers. And this is just 10,000% my thing. And I didn't even know about this, but I need it. So thank you, whoever bought this, for putting this on my radar. I'm going to have to get this. Um, So again, that was bought using the Amazon affiliate link. That will be in the show notes. Now, you don't have to spend any money to support the show. You can take some time and... Give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That is that is huge for, you know, small indie podcasts. It gives us some visibility and visibility helps us grow. You can also just post on social media about the podcast. Anything like that helps a lot. So a big thank you to all of you that do that. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N. Or on Instagram at that's what she read. That's that's with two A's. Or on YouTube at that's what she read. And join us next time for Books in the Freezer. Mm-hmm.